Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, the largest software merger in history and the rise of belief-driven buyers. But first, what happens now with Saudi Arabia? Just two weeks ago, it seemed that all anyone could talk about was Saudi and the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. But then came the Mad Maga bomber and the horrific massacre in Pittsburgh, and all of our collective attention seemed to turn to the new horribles. But we shouldn't forget Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia hasn't forgotten us. The country last week pushed forward with its big investment conference, nicknamed Davos in the Desert, much to the chagrin of the World Economic Forum, which hosts its big annual event in Davos and which asked all of us to stop saying Davos in the Desert. So the event, formerly known as Davos in the Desert, lost tons of big-name speakers, but still included announcements of about $56 billion in new deals, many of which were with U.S. companies, and it did feature some big-name Silicon Valley faces, like Jim Breyer, a venture capitalist best known for being an early investor in Facebook and who currently sits on the board of 21st Century Fox. So what comes next? Saudi Arabia is in the midst of a massive financial diversification away from fossil fuels, and that includes lots of big money investments in Western technology companies, mostly through its $45 billion investment in something called the SoftBank Vision Fund, which has already backed companies like Uber and WeWork and DoorDash and Slack and even the dog walking platform WAG. So will companies now shun Saudi money or will they also turn their attention to other things and resume what had been business as usual? After all, investors are kind of known to have short memories, and even the Wall Street firms that didn't send CEOs to the former Davos in the desert did send lower-level bankers who were patrolling the hallways, having conversations. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on all of this with Axios chief financial correspondent Felix Salmon, who wrote about it in his most recent Edge newsletter. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Chief Financial Correspondent Felix Salmon. So, Felix, let's talk about this conference last week. In retrospect, would it have been better for the Saudis to have just canceled it outright? Absolutely. It was a complete disaster. It utterly failed to achieve any of its aims. The idea was that Saudi Arabia was going to be shown off to its best effect as this future, forward-looking, technologically savvy country. And instead, what happened was that everyone just paid way more attention to human rights abuses. But that said, I mean, the Saudis at the conference, and, and I know a lot of this you know, was pre-done and, and, and gotten ready for stage, they announced or at least claim $56 billion in new deals. A lot of that is with U.S. companies. Is it possible to say really bad PR, but what Saudi really wants is the financial deals, and they still got that? Well, if the Saudi wanted a financial deal, they could have done that with or without the conference. So the purpose of the conference is entirely PR. And in fact, because of the PR, because of the negative PR, that has reduced their ability to do financial deals going forward. One of the key ones that I wrote about in Edge was the proposed acquisition of a majority stake in WeWork. And if they hadn't had the conference and if they hadn't drawn attention to themselves like this, I'm sure it would have been much easier for them to 
get that deal done. There's always an argument when it comes to bankers or really any investors that they have pretty short memories. We look at where we are kind of, at least in the U.S. right now, I know you're in England today, but where we are in the U.S., everybody's focused on the bomber and obviously what happened in Pittsburgh. Is this a short memory thing? In other words, do you feel that whether it be WeWork or folks in Silicon Valley or the big Wall Street banks, which bailed, at least didn't send their CEOs to this conference, they sent junior level people there, will they simply wait a couple of weeks and then business as usual again? I think that's what they're hoping for, because it's really hard to turn down that kind of money and that many billions of dollars. And so they would love it if everyone just forgot. And if in the age of Trump, this sort of short attention span thing took over and they were, and everyone just totally forgot about these things. I'm not convinced that they're going to forget. We will see. We will see the next time there's a big Saudi investment. So big Saudi investments happen like clockwork, they happen quite frequently. And we will find out the next time there's a big Saudi investment whether people remember or not. Why are you not convinced? Why do you think this time might be different? I think the reason this time is different is precisely because the minute that someone puts out a press release saying Vision Fund or Saudi Arabia or something like that, people will remember and you will get all of those headlines. And the first question that you get on the, from the press is going to be, how can you take money from Saudi Arabia? It's not like people are going to be thinking about it constantly between now and then. But the minute that they're reminded, that's the first question they're going to ask. Do you think this is hypocritical might be the wrong word, but picking on Saudi Arabia in the following sense, you, you look at all these companies who say might not want to take money from Vision Fund or directly from Saudi Public Investment Fund, but they're doing business potentially taking money from, say, the UAE or China, you know, sovereign wealth funds associated with China, where you've obviously got all sorts of, you know, human rights abuses. Is there a lack of consistency here? 100%. And remember, the people have been taking money from Saudi Arabia for years, and the human rights abuses that Saudi Arabia has been getting up to, the war crimes they've been getting up to in Yemen, the fact that they basically have a gender apartheid system in the entire country. You know, people have been perfectly happy doing business with some really quite unpleasant individuals for a very long time. This isn't about the substance. This is entirely about the PR. And there was something about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi that really like hit home for the public at large in the way that Yemeni war crimes did not. Do you believe, and I've heard this from some folks, particularly in Silicon Valley, the, the slippery slope argument, and they basically say if Silicon Valley, and, and obviously I'm using that term generically or, or figuratively in this case, but if Silicon Valley basically bans Saudi money or turns away Saudi money, then the pressure will be on them to turn away, say, China or some other country next. Is that a valid argument? Well, I hope so. That would be kind of, it would be an interesting development, right? Because the whole point about having private companies is that you do get to pick and choose your investors. And if you talk to any entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, they will tell you that they spend a lot of time picking the investors they want and saying no to the investors that they don't want. And so this could be exactly what we need in terms of making Silicon Valley pay a little bit more attention to who their investors are. Felix, final question for you. If you're right, if indeed Silicon Valley and, and other companies shun Saudi money, at least for now, if for nothing else, because they don't want those bad headlines you talked about, do you have any reason to believe that will actually happen? No, not, none whatsoever. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, we weren't turning down Saudi is going to change anything. But I do think that the disaster that was the Future Investments Initiative has already put MBS in a more tenuous position. His hold on power is already weaker than it was. And so in that sense, like the global PR surrounding the conference has been bad for Saudi and has specifically been bad for MBS. But no, I don't think that instrumentally speaking, if you're a company in Silicon Valley and you turn down an investment, that's going to 
you know, improve women's rights in Saudi Arabia or, for that matter, you know, improve the lives of the people who are starving in Yemen. Feels well, at least you kept calling a future investment initiative conference instead of Davos in the desert, which obviously has made the uh, World Economic Forum people very, very upset that we keep talking about it that way. Uh, Felix Salmon, Chief Financial Correspondent for Axios. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up, IBM stunned the technology world on Sunday night by announcing it would pay around $34 billion to buy Red Hat in what would become the largest ever acquisition of a software company. Now, why it matters for IBM is that IBM is racing to remain relevant, trying to shift from selling mainframes and servers to selling software. More broadly though, it's just the latest validation for open source software, following big deals earlier this year, like Microsoft buying GitHub, Salesforce buying MuleSoft, and Cloudera merging with Hortonworks. All of those came with huge premiums, proving that free has become the new expensive. Finally, a new report is out from Edelman saying that more and more Americans believe that brands should take stands on social issues. So check out these numbers. 57% of American consumers now say that a company's social positions affect their purchasing decisions, up 10 points from last year. And that's not American consumers telling companies to stay out of the fray. They want them in there. Around 60% say it's incumbent on companies to take positions on controversial issues, with even more saying it should be the CEOs who lead the charge, not waiting for government policy or regulations. What to watch? The Super Bowl. Last year, you might remember that we saw 30-second spots from companies like Airbnb and Coca-Cola talking about immigration policy. This year, expect to see way more of that. After all, brands can read these numbers too. And we're done. Thanks so much for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Adam Gracia, have a great National Cat Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.